This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, featuring distinctly qualified global changemakers dedicated to creating a healthier planet. One where our unique gifts are lived, expressed, and celebrated. I'm your host, Julian Guderlai. This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and I'm here today with Alessa Berg, the founder of Top Tier Impact. Welcome, Alessa. Thank you, Julian. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you about all things impact and the, the impact investment space. Um, let's start just really at the beginning with top tier impact. And uh, you, you created this just a few years ago because there was like a, you know, like a black hole in the market. Meaningful investment is something that, you know, it's maybe logical to most of us that are listening here, but um, it, it, it didn't really exist in the same way you've brought these pieces together. Absolutely. Yes. And that is kind of how it all started, because a few years ago, I looked at the impact investment space from a holistic perspective. So really the entirety of the space, because what I saw in it excited me. I saw a better paradigm for our economy and our society. But the more I looked at it, the more I also saw the potential to create more synergies. So this black hole that you're talking about. And uh, that was the genesis of everything, because I couldn't unsee it. I thought it was really meaningful. And I felt I had to contribute to it one way or the other. So the way that Top Tier Impact started was actually never meant to be a company. And it was definitely not what I thought would be my next activity. Um, but I put together a uh, global group of impact investors. We started sharing knowledge, deal flow, and then everything evolved from there at a rapid pace. Yeah. Rapid pace is something that usually smells of alignment. Like when something happens really quick and just happens because things are so in sync, um, that's when life shows us, right? Like we're, we're, we're going down the right rabbit hole. Um, maybe share a little bit about the ecosystem because it's, it's grown quite large in that quick time. Yes, absolutely. So at Top Tier Impact, we have several divisions and businesses to our group. And at the core of everything, there is our private community actually. So we're across more than 40 countries. In fact, we haven't pulled it for a while. So maybe it's more like 50 at this point. And uh, we're about 600 members. There are impact investors first and foremost. So this really goes from very early stage all the way to growth, pre-IPO and public markets too. Uh, it covers all sectors because the way that we define impact is as a positive paradigm shift towards sustainability and equality across all economic sectors. And this means that it's not just the sustainable part of food or the clean part of energy, it's the entire food industry, the entire energy industry shifting towards sustainability and equality. And this like goes for the full spectrum, right? And so we really have everything from ag and food, like circular economy with the consumer and retail, healthcare, mental health, like there's a full spectrum represented. Um, we also have members who are entrepreneurs, uh, professionals, like in the corporate space, also they are shifting towards sustainability, ESG, impact, and some experts, like whether they are independent uh, or they're figures like famous climate scientists. So we have this melting pot of investors, entrepreneurs, and other leaders coming together and uh, creating synergies for the whole impact space. Uh, we have our online platforms where they communicate. We have plenty of events, both offline and online. And our focus really is to accelerate the adoption of impact and sustainability, both as the way of making investments and uh, running companies. And so that's kind of uh, how we've created everything 
within the community. We never said, oh, we want to create a community. Actually, we said, we want to grow the space globally. So let's empower the leaders who are already making a difference in this space and find ways to support them having better success and at a more rapid space as well, because this is so like time sensitive and relevant at this point in our history. Yeah, here, here, it totally is. So you're talking about this time in history, what's your, you know, going beyond the, the now moment, what's your, your big vision for uh, humanity in that sense that, that made this come through this, this top tier impact ecosystem? Yes, absolutely. So I think that we are at this point in time where we've actually never had better technology, better quality of life in general, like better accessibility of things. And yet we're also ridden with all sorts of problems, tensions, issues, like climate is really like, you know, the, the pace of um, climate change is accelerating at a pace where I think at this point with all the science that we actually see every day coming out, like it's, it's tough to argue with. But what I believe is that there is a clear path to utopia or dystopia lining up. And at TTI, we like to say, we focus on solutions rather than problems. We focus on actions rather than complaints because the reality is that that's just like a matter of putting our attention towards that desired outcome, right? So putting our attention towards the kind of utopia that we can create, uh, because I think it's all feasible. Um, Obviously, there is a kind of like a looming picture, but to me, if we can enable everybody through impact, like through, you know, fairness of conditions, right, for everybody, if we can enable people to live on their purpose, I think everybody has a unique contribution to make in their own specific way, right? So if we can enable everybody to be on purpose, and if we can design an entire system that rewards us better for creating collective value, rather than extracting individual value, then we're automatically going to move in a very positive direction. Yeah. Let's unpack the word collective value a little bit here. So you just differentiated between like the individual value and extracting that value, right? And then generating collective value. Um, you mind just taking of that course. apart a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So the reality is that in our current economic system, we face this issue of um this is basically like game theory in economics but we face this big issue of uh, a so-called prisoner dilemma where maximizing for your individual value might not be the better thing both for yourself and for the collective but you're sort of like oh if i don't do it like the other company so i'll give you a quick example um if company a and company b are doing deforestation Company A knows it's not a good idea for the planet. It's eventually not a good idea for themselves as well. Um, but they're kind of like, oh, if I don't do it, company B is going to do it anyway. So you know what? I might as well. So we, we operate within a system that still allows for these massive inefficiency for everybody to happen. And this is where I would like to bring in also the topic of blockchain technology, distributed protocols like crypto, because... I believe that distributed protocols, I have a background in governance design as well, mm. and collectively distributed protocols actually enable for aligning everybody, aligning everybody's incentives towards collective value creation. And again, you know, if you look at how nature works, if you look at the inherent efficiency of 
creating collective value, it's clear that it's better for everybody. It's better for everybody to improve that pie, right? Increase that pie. It's just that there are things on the way if the system is not designed in such a way that rewards this, then you know fear can come in and these kind of dynamics that I just described come in as well and get on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is something about this, this old saying, um, it's nothing personal, it's just business that actually has to totally go and be left behind, right? Like this idea yeah. that something is just business. Um, the moment we arrive in a place of whole systems understanding or or you know we're becoming aware that all systems are connected something like just business doesn't actually exist absolutely in fact i think that i get surprised at this point in time just because of how much impact investing has been growing uh how mainstream esg has gone and all the data as well about esg companies perform with high esg ratings performing better than companies with low ESG ratings. I get very surprised when sometimes people are still questioning like, oh, can you have both impact and financial returns? And I think that my answer has become just look at the data. Like I'm not even going right. to have a discussion anymore because you know, at this point in time, especially with the, the, the technology and the low costs that have been achieved, even in areas like clean energy, which was never the case before, mm-hmm. then it just becomes natural that creating the kind of value that impact naturally brings is tied to financial value because these are the big investment opportunities of this decade and beyond. This oh, is the word that one way or the other we're building. And I say one way or the other because it's an idea word anyway, but actually there is regulation finally catching up with it anyway and saying, uh, you know, for instance, at TTI, one of our businesses is a global strategy uh, consulting group and what we do is we implement climate risk scenario planning for publicly listed companies because many of them are now obligated to do it in jurisdictions like the UK, uh, the G7 countries have adopted it. And so the reality is that one way or the other, whether you understand it because you just naturally see that it's an ideal path for all of us, or because you're like, wait a second, like the whole regulatory landscape is changing, is pushing me in this direction. Wherever it comes from, it's calm. And so I believe that it's become more important than ever to sort of like look at what this truly means from a fundamental perspective of the value that it creates. Yeah. And that, that value was, you know, it was dire, direly needed like 20 years ago. But at this point, there is also no more looking away really from, you know, our, our earth is changing and the way we, we, we as humans adapt to it is, is very important. And so um, I want to, you know, dig a little deeper there into your own kind of value set and how you started all this. Cause you know, this is not the first thing you've started. You're the total go-getter crea- creator, right? Um, was it just something you saw was needed or is like, is this a reflection of a deeper dream you, you've been having all along? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my background is uh, both as entrepreneur and investor. And uh, I started being entrepreneurial really early on uh, as a child and kind of realized that I enjoyed it. I had my little stand, reselling items. I was reselling my things, then my friends' things. And, and I just kind of like got into it very naturally that way. Uh, but then I approached it from a technology angle uh, during my studies. And that is when um, it really clicked. And I I saw how you can empower yourself to create value where you'd like to, 
Um, with that said, I first went into the investment space after my studies. Um, I learned a lot there. Um, I approached areas that gradually first started in private equity, then I went into venture capital, and uh, venture capital quickly taught me a lot of things right away. Um, I was angel investing as well, which I would say is also an amazing learning journey in terms of like approaching areas and founders that you can also learn from. And so the alignment with TTI was so strong because I had also learned uh, how to listen to myself more deeply. Frankly, you know, my own personal journey of understanding what really lights me up is creating things on the critical path of where humanity is going and uh, this unique moment in time that we're experiencing you know when you say we need to be in harmony with the planet you know like that's that's really kind of what this century is all about mm -hmm. uh in terms of uh how good of a condition we're going to have in here and we can talk about going to mars or wherever else but the reality is that there's still a lot of stuff to figure out on that way and if we can't get it right on this planet then how are we assuming that we're going to get it right on other planets so i think that there's a pretty important mvp to right figure on. out yeah. on earth like before we get very deep on that side of things um so for me it was actually a matter of um, finding that kind of alignment and spark that would push me no matter what and this is why like i was sharing with you before when i created tti i didn't even realize i was creating my next company i just couldn't not do it and that's been the driving force i mean i only realized a couple of years ago i was kind of like ah oh, i think we might be building something like really meaningful in here it's not just the side contribution that I thought I was making to the impact space because I couldn't help myself. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey. And I think that there are elements of what the professional world teaches you, uh, the skills you get, but then there are elements, especially as an entrepreneur, of um, a personal journey, an inner journey, and getting to understand yourself, getting as honest as possible with yourself, um, and eventually sort of like being able to express something from there. Yeah, I love what you just brought up there. Um, I have a follow-up question and, you know, you can always say pass if you don't like a question. Mm -hmm. um, is there a, like a, you know, quotation marks here, favorite kind of personal development or, or self-development program or experience that, you know, really, uh, that maybe recently or at some point, like really opened your eyes? Yeah, well, there's a whole array and I have absolutely no issue talking about it. In fact, I think that the more we can share on this, the better. Mm -hmm. um, I have really, you know, for me, it's, it's gone both from kind of like emotional therapy-based work, plant medicine, spiritual work, and then meditation, um, obviously kind of like the fitness side of things. So there's a full spectrum, but actually what I find the most powerful and simple way of looking at it is what I was just mentioning about getting as honest as possible with yourself. And that is a self-discovery that you can do in a very kind of like independent and vulnerable way with yourself. It can involve journaling, but ultimately it does come down to being able to meet your pain, admit your pain and uh, you know just stand in your own vulnerability let yourself just like be cleared through that because we all have our pains and it's just like a natural journey of being a human like 
born out of your mother's body and just going through childhood and then growing up into an adult it's normal one way or the other that's how it is and like the more we can get familiar with uh, filters we might have and ways of looking at the world that might be causing issues like might be causing more of that kind of pain the more we can do that actually the more we can free ourselves and so I think that this is a very unglamorous thing, um, you know, because, for instance, I think plant medicine is fantastic and, uh, um, you know, I support it. At the same time, um, talking about what I'm just mentioning might not be super, super glamorous, you know, because this is really just a more, um, a more raw, a more vulnerable, a more simple, actually. Way yeah, it's of- ultimately the most simple way, right, is, is to come into yeah. honesty with ourselves and I and love, and, and I, I love think, what you shared there. I think just to complete it in terms of like, yeah. you know, how do I go about it, right? Like, let's make it practical. I think it's very simple. You just look at what triggers you. You look at what annoys you and you take responsibility for that. I believe that whatever annoys us and triggers us is actually showing us something within ourselves that we can accept more and that we can love more. So when you take that attitude not saying, oh my God, this annoys me. I'm such an evolved, an unevolved human being, right? Not saying that, right? Because that really doesn't, doesn't get the point of this. Uh, I really believe it comes down to genuine acceptance, right? And, and giving yourself that space because when that happens, everything dissolves and moves on. And so I would say being able to observe and then whenever we whenever we find uncomforts in daily situations in random events like just being able to look within and see where that might be coming from and staying with that and creating space like for that to be acknowledged and move through so yeah this is this is a very so to say easy simple and yet intense thing to do if you're starting it out right uh because there might be a lot of unknown unknowns in there, but then I think that it becomes a bit of a natural reflex. And I think that taking responsibility is such an empowering way to look at things because that's how you're free, right? It's not like, oh, because they are doing this, because this is happening in the world, because whatever. It actually comes down to you being able to let things flow through as opposed to being upset about them. And there is a way to work through that. So well said. So well said. I love the, you know, radical responsibility aspect. And it's honestly, it's the, the biggest teacher in my own life is to continuously come back to realize my triggers are, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they don't make me uh, worse of a person or a bad person, but they're, yeah. they're, they're mine to, to create something new out of, right. Instead of repeating that over and over and, um, yeah, you know, especially in a time where we're in some parts of the world, cancel culture is a real thing. It's like, I, I really believe also allowing people to be with their triggers is a really big gift, right? Or, or helping people to feel safe in expressing something that isn't polished and isn't textbook is a really powerful thing. And uh, yes, yeah, so I, I just really love your answer and wanted to add that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So because that's not the world we totally grow up in, my question is, what would you do if you were to change the education system at large? Oh, wow. What an exciting question, Julian. Um, look, I'm actually being exposed to a bunch of education companies through our investing units. Mm-hmm. Uh, we connect the 
capital side to the uh, creation, like company side uh, at growth stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I see some kind of growth stage impact, especially across emerging markets. That is extremely exciting to see in terms of um, what these companies are doing. Uh, I think in, in emerging markets, you know, there are some low hanging fruit, for example, in terms of financial inclusion in terms of uh, education and so actually on the education side of things i've been seeing some incredible businesses the interesting thing is that some of them seem to leapfrog where we are at right so yeah. where you know we might think oh in the western world like we have a more developed uh, education system okay let's face it it's super basic and full yeah. of these um these flaws that are not necessarily about the way in which things are taught it's it's really like the philosophy within it and how priorities are given because what you just said the fact that our system doesn't embed these um uh this approach of understanding your emotions understanding yourself i mean that's the most basic part of being human that's literally like the 101 of being a human you have emotions if you understand them that's helpful right? Like literally like the most basic thing. Yeah. And it's not just that, right? I mean, what about personal finance? Another thing that you're going to deal with on a daily basis, like why is that not incorporated? You know, I think that's changing, but there's still a long way to go. So interestingly, I've been seeing businesses in emerging markets that seem to leapfrog mm. a few things. For example, bringing personalization into the learning experience and not necessarily, again, all the tools or the, the courses, but really kind of understanding like children's uh, profiles and learning styles and preferences and gifts, right? Like understanding all of that and tailoring around that, I think is a big deal because like we were saying before, uh, at least I believe every human has their unique gifts. And the more we can empower everybody to be free in expressing that, tapping into that, uh, creating value for themselves and for everybody else through that, the better, right? The more everybody can live on purpose. Um, and uh, and that creates a pretty great society by, by default, by reflection. So it starts with the youth. It starts with the education system. So I believe it's a few things, just like the first part of why don't we embed these pretty basic core things that are part of the human experience as an individual. And then, you know, so that's that your your emotional system and how to interpret these things and then as an individual interacting in society like money and then beyond that like being able to acknowledge accept and actually enhance the unique differences of every child and i actually think that you know these might sound oh how do you deliver personalization but here's the deal right i'm seeing companies that are able yeah. to do this cost effectively at scale this is possible. We have all the technology needed already for these things to be feasible, affordable by the overall system. Right on. I love that you have the experience of companies around you where you, you, know, you have like little incubators in which you can observe what happens when people do this. Um, I, in my journey at some point, got to play and work in a Waldorf school for a while and, you know, um, not to glorify that, but it was just so interesting to be in a cohort of people that has a whole different tool set and, and a different toolkit, actually, in how to deal with, yeah, as you said, being human and 
um, using that to go into skill rather than using that to go into obedience and you know um, regurgitating. Yes. So you're also a world traveler and a fellow polyglot, which you know we laughed about before we started this episode. So I'd love to know from you, Alessa, if you had to pick, and I know there are more than three, but if you had to pick three places in the world that are your favorites or meaningful to you, um, and maybe there's a story there in one of them, like which three places would you pick? Oh, how interesting. I love this question too. So I would start with where I'm at right now, here in Thailand, south of Thailand. Um, on this island that is a little bit similar to Bali, to use a more kind of well-known example, both in terms of uh, the nature being like so alive and present, and then also the community uh, in this place. And uh, these actually became a wonderful and spontaneous COVID base because um, I was here in the winter, almost a couple of years ago now, and uh, I was meant to go back to London, which was my adult base for a long time. I was meant to go back to London, uh, just when COVID hit. And I remember just realizing the pace because it was it was really at the twilight between people saying, still a lot of people in London, friends of mine were like, oh, let's not talk about it. It's so exaggerated. You know, it's like, it's not really here anyway, uh, to going like, okay, this is serious and everything is closing down. So it was just in between. And I spoke, uh, I was also sort of discounting it a little bit to be fair. But then I spoke with some friends who clearly had been doing their homework and what they shared with me made me understand that it was really happening and it was going to escalate. And so I just watched the plane go by and stayed here. And uh, it's been such a wonderful base, like both in terms of um, having like a lovely and quite frankly, very productive work environment, mm. uh, but then also from like a personal perspective, like the personal work that we were just talking about before. Uh, so many different modalities here to explore, like such a beautiful like health and wellness setup as well. And so this has been a wonderful base, a very special base. And uh, it's also been so refreshing not to travel because I was traveling a lot pre-COVID. And when I look back at that, I'm like, wow. I mean, now I have, it's almost going from fast food to slow food. Now the idea oh, of traveling, yeah. I haven't traveled for almost two years, right? And um, I will next month, but the idea of it is kind of like, wow, it's a proper journey and it's a mm. proper activity, so much more appreciation, right? Um, and also quite frankly, uh, as we all know, like reducing our carbon footprint from a travel perspective really matters at this point. So that's, that's one place. Um, I would probably mention London as the second one, just because like I shared before, I've spent most of my adult career there, I think that London is this unique city. I just can't compare it to any other city in the world because it's the most diverse you will ever find. And, uh, you know, I have myself an international background and a little bit of this insider outsider perspective in the way that I grew up, in the way that I speak different languages, that I relate to different cultures all at once. And I remember that when I moved to London, I kind of felt home from that perspective. I really did. And uh, wow. your friends groups are international from the start, like your perspectives and the way that you experience your day reality is mm -hmm. super mixed in that way. And so I really love that about London because it just works. Um, like I have to say, there, there are other cities that have an element of that. But in London, it feels like the default. It feels like the status quo, right? And that is incredible. Um, I also think that being mostly low rise as a city is a big plus in making it more livable. 
I always mm -hmm. found that I lived in areas that were quite green and yet they were central. Now, obviously yeah. London is a big place and it's spread out, but it's kind of accessible. And so all those elements coming together were a great setup. With that said, I've been very happy being in nature and, uh, and it's like, that's a different story, right? Um, Isn't that fascinating though, right? For someone who knows the whole world and who's, who's all over the place and who, you know, appreciates big cities as it sounds that nature just cannot be topped. Like there's something about living in nature where just the vibrancy of that informs so much of the energy with which we create and produce. Yes, yes. Yeah, delicious. And then maybe <laughs> for, for the third place, there are so many places that I could mention, including where I'm going, but maybe I'll talk about places that I know well. So I know well the Swiss Alps, uh, having grown up in right Switzerland. On. And, uh, you know, I have, I have my winter side, which is like skiing and snowboarding. And then my summer side, I actually used to work as a windsurf instructor in the summers uh, in high school. Um, I did it in a place called Lake Garda in Italy, actually close to Switzerland. Um, but yeah, this, the Swiss Alps have this, um, just this like really like the stereotypical vibes that you would imagine if you've never been there. That's it. That's how it is. Like, like you're <laughs> on the right track. You know? It totally <laughs> is. Yeah. It's the real deal. And I can definitely recommend it, but that's how it is. Really cozy, really cute, like really warm in a way, even if it's freezing. And Lago di Garda. I, I love that place. It's a classic mm -hmm. European uh, vacation destination. Um, yes, very magical. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you, Alessa, for taking us around the world a little bit here. Um, <laughs> So I want to I want to come back around to top tier impact and the work you do in the world, you know. And and I I want to ask about optimism, and you know the energy you're spreading and the way I got to know you is just like you're so full of that life force that's moving through you, that optimism of like, well, even if things are difficult, this is why I'm here and this is what I got to do. Can you maybe share with with us a little bit, like, is that how you feel at all times, or like how do you how do you get this source of optimism going just every day mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think it's a choice i think it's a choice because reality is endless and mm -hmm. you can experience it from all kinds of corners i think for me it's a it's probably kind of a, a natural tendency anyway because i get excited about what can be done created improved right so there's probably these these in there anyway but then on top of it i think that it is a choice in a world that does truly offer you endless ways to look at things. And I think that realization in itself, you know, the realization that there are infinite different angles to anything, right? And we, even the way that we interpret simple events, right? Oh, my story is that you arrived late, late, you don't care, right? The other person was having a different experience, even in these simple things, right? Just acknowledging that, we all have our subjective ways to look at reality. And when you really drop in that and acknowledge that, then you can also see that you can adjust that depending on the kind of experience that you'd like to have. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of how I would describe it. And then at the same time, it's like at this moment in time, like we were saying before with all the things that are going on and definitely lots of issues, dropping into this, understanding this and then making the choice of how would you like to experience it right like mm -hmm. how would you like to tailor your own ongoing experience of this reality 
Um, so I do think that optimism, besides providing for uh, you know an experience that frankly is exciting and has creation in it and has lots yeah. of things um, that that are positive by default. Besides that, it's more needed than ever. Um, it's like I said before, you know, yeah. we can we can all opt into what kind of reality we want to experience. I, in fact, I believe that if tomorrow every human on the planet just said, you know what, I'm just opting into badass, exciting, amazing reality, and that's it, we would just drop 99% of our issues like right away. So, yeah. Beautiful. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking your optimism and uh, <laughs> going to go run with it. I, I, I like this a lot. And, you know, you come back to choice and you come back to responsibility, which is something that we mentioned a little bit earlier, right. In, in, in regards to self-development, the, the choice is the ability to respond to what we find in the world. And, and then optimism is, yeah, it's just one of the options, but it really is a way to yeah, I think it's to take our own power playfully serious and playfully because, you know, we don't want to take ourselves too serious, but to take ourselves uh, for real, like we're, we're here and our, our thoughts, our mind, our um, focus creates. And um, it's, it's really important to be surrounded also by people that believe in, in you. And, and so I want to hear a bit more about the community aspect. You know, I know, I know there are uh, impact on entrepreneurs listening to this and you, you've created an, a community um, maybe, maybe share a little bit about ways that people can get involved with Top Gear Impact and like what the on on ramps into your ecosystem are. Yes, of course. So TTI is a global community, and uh, we have this variety that I was sharing before, and lots of presence like US, like Europe, UK. But um, it has it shares all the values that I think like most impact entrepreneurs can kind of subscribe in a second to and, uh, and already have. Um, on our website, there is a form to apply. And uh, typically we have an application process where we always touch base ourselves. I still do most of it directly myself. We touch base one-on-one um, with our applicants and uh, just to get to know each other on, on that level because it's a membership based on the individual and not on the company. And there are very specific reasons for it, right? Like we don't want it to be some anonymous, oh, okay, this company like is a member, like it's actually this individual, right? right? <laughs> is, is the person showing up, who's building the company or who's part of this other kind of company. And, uh, and uh, that's how it goes, mm -hmm. right? Like that's how it goes in the way we interact. And so, yeah, applying for the community. We have monthly cohorts of new members that we admit into TTI on an ongoing basis. And you also just hosted the uh, Top Tier Impact Awards, right? Like I think yes. it playfully got called the Oscars of the Impact Sustainability Space. That's right. Yeah, the Oscars of Impact. That, that was an exciting process because we got so much more global attention than expected. It went a little bit viral. Um, we had the eight categories of, again, trying to represent all economic sectors because all economic sectors ought to shift to an impact-driven paradigm. So there was, again, food, consumer and retail, uh, financial services, obviously energy and environment, health, uh, real estate and infrastructure, and so on. And um, it was incredible and very refreshing to see the innovation that is out there in such a celebrated type of manner, right? Um, 
in a way that is like acknowledging the hard work that every impact entrepreneur day in, day out puts in for all of us. And so um, I think that the, the celebration had a very deep cause underpinning it um, and was received so well. So we enjoyed all parts of the process. I have to say it ended up taking more time than I expected during the summer, uh, but it was enjoyable. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's coming up again next year. That's right on. Well, I have um, two more questions for you in this episode. And the first one, you know, you shared a little bit about the nature in Thailand and the nature in Switzerland, and snowboarding and maybe windsurfing, but do you have another nature uh, story or moment that you'd like to share? Mm. Like a moment when nature was really coming alive in you? That's beautiful. So I have embraced hiking a lot in here. Um, ironically, even though I grew up in Switzerland, I feel like hiking is, um, yeah, maybe it's more, it's more popular on the senior side of the population. It's never, <laughs> it's never been a thing that I had any friends go and do. Also, you know, for example, in San Francisco in the Bay Area, like most people I know are always hiking. So I really got into hiking here and uh, I have had several moments where I just felt these beautiful and overwhelming intensity of just being a part of the whole being immersed in nature and being it like there is no distinction like you feel it and maybe and the wind blows and you think like am I part of making this wind blow is the wind blow like and it's it's the same and it doesn't really matter again there is no distinction so these extremely deep moments that frankly I'm finding quite tough to explain in words um yeah are something that I have experienced in these simple hikes going deep into the jungle reaching some viewpoints like moving through like finding some water um yeah that's been really really beautiful and humbling mm. yeah beautiful that's that's why I'm asking. I, I I love when you know genuinely you can feel that a person is has experienced that you know, and then words might not <laughs> that's be right. needed to do much, but we can all we can all feel it through the tone of our voice. And and so it leads leads me to my last question. And um, I asked you about your vision earlier with with top tier impact, but this is more like a a bigger picture vision question. And so the question is. Um, what's your dream for this planet and for humanity in a in a larger context? So, if we were to zoom out on the on the time uh, on the timeline into a seven generational picture, and so not just yep. backward but also forward, right? We're here as the ancestors of the future. Yes. Um, what's that dream that's alive in your heart? I think for all of us to truly realize and then become a part of just how badass this planet can become, how incredible it already is, and how even more beautiful we can make it. And we can really build paradise on earth. We have everything needed and it's just a matter of like getting on that path. Um, I think that picture looks really exciting to me. And I think that the different elements uh, of that, like I shared before from various corners we approach this from, they are available. Technology is really getting to those points. And, you know, technology, because sometimes like technology really gets polarized on the negative side of things. The reality is that technology is neutral. 
technology is a reflection of the intentions of the people behind it. So if people can, number one, like understand this and then clear their intentions and use technology in ways that are empowering for everybody and building an incredible planet, then there we go. Yeah, the tools that are currently here to enslave us in certain ways are also totally usable for freedom, right? And it's just a matter of, of those intentions and creating the, the visibility of it. And you mentioned blockchain earlier. Maybe we'll have a follow-up conversation about that. Yes, yeah. I'm so excited that, to have this episode with you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add or anything you want to throw out there? Thank you, Julia. No, this was amazing. We covered really good ground. And uh, like I said, we are always happy to help the impact space like grow itself uh, at top tier impact. So it's been a pleasure to cover all this ground with you. Thank you.